Hi, my name is Ali Sternberg. Welcome back to Crossing Paths, a podcast coming to you from Madrid, Spain, which is where I just moved to in February from New York City, along with my wife and our mini poodle. We're here because my wife is attending culinary school, and this podcast is an opportunity for me to do something I really enjoy, which is meeting other people from all walks of life who are also living away from home, away from their culture, away from their norms. In this episode, number seven, I cross paths with Cassandra Lay, originally from Virginia slash suburbs of DC. She first moved to Spain in 2014 to the very small town of Torrijas, so you can imagine she stuck out just a little bit as a Vietnamese American English speaker. We talk about how that experience felt, her decision to move back to the US afterwards, and her return to Spain a year and a half ago when she started her own content marketing and copywriting agency based in Madrid. We talk about the ups and downs of starting a company in a foreign country, finding routine outside of the nine to five, navigating the expat community, maintaining her energy, and much, much more. As always, I hope you enjoy. So we are recording. I always like to tell people that so that they know officially okay. that we're, cool. on, we're on the clock. Thank you for being here. Of course. Um, Thanks for having me. Just start us off by telling us, and I say us, me, and the people <laughs> listening, uh, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, when you moved to Spain. Okay. So hi, everyone. I'm Cassandra, and I am from Virginia in the United States, and I've been in Spain collectively for... I think it's about four and a half years. So I first arrived here in 2014 as an English teacher, taught English for two years, and then I went home. This is a very abridged version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So I went home after two years of teaching English, got a full-time job for a year and a half. Uh, and when I came here in 2014, I met my boyfriend who uh-huh. was Spanish. So we were doing long distance while I was at home. Gotcha. And then we were like, well, uh, yeah. what's going to happen? Gonna happen? <laughs> Are, is somebody moving? Are we going to break up? Uh-huh. Somebody's I know that game. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we decided that I would come back. Uh-huh. And I've been in Madrid for a year and seven months now. When you first uh, came here, were you living in Madrid or were you living somewhere else? No, I lived in a small town. So through the program, the Auxiliaris program that I applied to, right. I selected Castilla-La Mancha. I don't know why. Where is that? It's the region right underneath Madrid. It has like, uh, I don't want to say how many because I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it has quite a few larger cities uh-huh. and it's very dry, very yellow. It's where manchego cheese is made uh-huh. and also olive oil is yeah, yeah. like a big thing. So I was like, Castilla La Mancha, who cares? Why not? I'm in Spain. Yeah. And then I chose Toledo and then they gave me Toledo, the city. Yeah. And I was like, Awesome. I love Toledo. Then they assigned me to a tiny town about 45 minutes outside of Toledo called Torrijos, which is about 10,000 people. And I'm from the suburbs of D.C., so transitioning from that to a 10,000-person pueblo, (laughs) like small village, I was like, oh. Big transition. What have I done? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Were there a couple of weeks of, like, early regret in there? Yeah. And my dad came with me. So he came and dropped me off because he was like, oh, my firstborn. That's very sweet. Yeah, I know, right? He was like, I volunteer. I'm going to take you because we have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And he was like, you're going to teach English in, like, this tiny town. And I said, okay, sure." sure. So he dropped me off. And then we were walking around. And I think because my parents are... Um, they're Vietnamese refugees. Uh-huh. So they came into the States in the 80s. So they kind of are more aware of like when there aren't a lot of Asian people. Uh-huh. Right. So, Which I imagine in the small town. Yes. You, you exactly. were the only one? 
Well, there were more mainland Chinese, but not anybody who was like a hyphenated version. Uh-huh. Like I am like an Asian American. Yeah. So I just remember one day my dad dropped me off and he goes, do you think you're going to stick out? <laughs> and I took it so like naively and innocently. I was like, oh, I always stick out. It's fine. It's right. I, like I'm a, I'm a loud person. Yeah. Like, you know, I dress kind of weird and like I've got piercings and tattoos. Most people just like don't see yeah. somebody like that normally right in any and, any context yeah and he was just like hmm <laughs> i don't mean it like that but like okay sure if you think you'll be fine sticking out and i was like yeah i'll be fine and then when he left and i started living there i was like oh uh-huh. oh i understand what he's saying now yeah <laughs> it's very you were like different. that like wistful wise gaze that your dad yeah. gave you was like oh he very valid sure yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no it'll be fine yeah, yeah. So what was that experience like? Just because, you know, I know from a very outside perspective that most or a lot of Asian people in Spain are mm-hmm. referred to as Chinos regardless of where mm-hmm. where you're from, what your yeah. heritage is. Was that the case? Yeah. And because I think a small town, and it's a rural town. Yeah. So they don't just, they don't have a lot of exposure yeah. to other heritage and cultures. So I remember I would walk down the street and people like in the squares or in the parks, they would actually like whisper and they'd be like, mira, mira, una china, una china. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah. And no matter where I went, people would like kind of follow me with like their eyes or sometimes when I'm crossing the street, people would just like roll down their window and they'd be like, ni hao. Like, whoa, this is weird. That's super weird. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, like the first three months, they were like really shocked. Yeah. And then gradually they kind of recognized me because it's 10,000 people. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, we've seen her around before. Like they know that I'm there teaching English. Most people were like, oh, yeah, she's my English teacher. Right. Right. So I kind of like built it. Yeah. And then the crazy part was I thought I'm going to go blonde. So I went blonde and, you know, seeing a blonde Asian it also was, blew people's minds. Yeah, <laughs> because they were like, her eyes are what they call here, I think, how do they say it? Chini oh, or yeah. yellows or yeah, something yeah. like that. They're like, her eyes are like small. <laughs> and oh, I see. But then they were like, but she's blonde. Right. And then they're like, but she's speaking English. Uh-huh. And then my Spanish had gotten better at that point. So they were like, why is she also speaking Spanish with a Spanish accent? Right. They were. It was a complete, like... They were like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. There's no category for you at no. that point. Exactly. That's, uh, so had you lived in another country prior to Spain? No. No, so I've only time. lived in, well, the States and Spain. The States, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when you, you came back to the U.S., or you went back to the U.S., yeah. and... When you were thinking about returning to Spain, what was that thought process like? Oh Did, were you excited about the possibility? Were you a little bit nervous from, from that? Uh, so when I left in 2016, I told myself, F Spain, yeah. I hate this country, yeah. I'm never coming back. And I think it was because I lived in small towns yeah. and I've never lived in a large city. Uh, but then I was just like, this country doesn't have like opportunities for me. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm not coming back. So, it, but I think in the back of my mind, I always knew I was going to come back. Yeah. I just didn't want to accept it. Yeah. So when I was home, making that transition, I mean, it took me a year and a half. Like, my boyfriend and I, we talked about it, and I had came home in June 2016. We were like, okay, by December 2016, yeah. you'll move back. And then three months passed, and I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> so he was like, okay, let's wait. So I was like, okay, 
let's not do December. Let's do April 2017. And then yeah. I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> and it wasn't until finally I was like, oh my gosh, what are my parents going to say? I just kind of had, had to like suck it up and yeah. decide, okay, for the better like of my relationship and for my sanity and my happiness, I need to just right. move back. Yeah. So you moved back, but you came to a bigger city in Madrid. Yes. What, what has that? What was that experience like? It was good. I had never lived in a city before. I'm like from the suburbs, uh-huh. so my idea of city life is I drive into the city, right? And As then opposed I, to like being directly centrally. Yeah, in it. yeah. Um, it's overwhelming. I think mm. Madrid is great, but then it's also like there's so many international people here. Yeah, and then there's Spaniards, but. Because it's such an international city, I find that there are pockets everywhere mm-hmm. of like, okay, we have like the French people kind of congregate yeah. in Alonso Martinez. And then we have like the Chinese neighborhood, which is in Plaza España. Uh-huh. And then the Americans kind of just take over Malasaña. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty accurate. Yeah. So when I came, I was like, well, how do I move around? Mm. And then how can I feel like more integrated yeah. besides just sticking to, I don't know, Malasaña area or going into the French area but not <laughs> speaking any French right. or something like that. Yeah. Right. So how did you do it? Uh, <laughs> well, that's a good question. I don't... Yeah. I, or is that work in progress? It's really? a work in progress. Yeah. I feel like because I don't have one group I always stick to, I kind of just like move around. Uh-huh. I think that's, that's the best way that I can... Yeah. Do it. And your yeah. boyfriend is Spanish, so I imagine you have a little bit more access to Spaniards, a perhaps. A little bit. Yeah. So I thought I would have more access to Spaniards, yeah. too. And he was like, you know, this is a new city for me, too. I don't okay. know anybody. Because huh. he's not from Madrid. Where's he's he from? He's from Torrijos. That oh, right. That you town. met in the... Yeah. yeah. yeah in the, in so the he was town. like, I only know my coworkers. And he's like, but my coworkers, I don't hang out with them, like, yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, So we're kind of, like, navigating it at the same time. But I probably enjoy the city a little bit more since he works in an office and gotcha. I work from home. You work from home. Yeah. Right. You have your own, you have your own thing going on here. Yeah. When you came back and we'll get into it. When, yeah. you, when you came back to Spain, what were you doing initially like two years ago? Um, Teaching English again or did you come back with like the idea to have your own company? Oh, okay. So when I decided to quit my job, yeah, I quit my job and uh-huh. then I Revamped because I have always been a blogger. I've uh-huh. been blogging since I was 13. Okay. I had a lifestyle travel blog. That was what I was growing on the side when I was home, and all of my paychecks from my office job went to my blog. I was like, I'm gonna be a full time blogger. Yeah. And I decided that when I was like 13. Then I realized full time blogging is not very lucrative. No. And it's also very hard. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what else can I do that can bring revenue in and support my lifestyle? And has to be online so that if I'm living here, I have the flexibility to go home to see my family if uh-huh. I need to. Right. Or when I want to also, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Important. <laughs> need and want. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I transitioned my full-time or my lifestyle travel blog into a full-time studio for copywriting and content strategy. You're doing things that you like to do, which is blogging and writing, but you can do it for a number of different clients. Yes. And when I quit my job, I had a launch party for uh-huh. myself nice. uh, two weeks after, and then I flew to Spain and started my business full time. Wow. Which I don't recommend for anybody. Don't move <laughs> and start your business at the same time because, oh my God. Right. It You're was doing like, two enormous personal yes. professional things at the same time. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. <laughs> but now that you are here for a couple of years and you feel more established in 
in what you're doing professionally? I think so. Yeah. I feel like I've moved around enough online and I guess here in Madrid to kind of build a name for myself yeah. and then also understand a little bit more about how business works, how to have boundaries, how to invoice people correctly mm. and all that stuff. Yeah, so you, you learned quite a bit on the fly, but yes, now, you, fly. now you have that experience. Where are your clients from? So most of my clients are from the States. Okay. Yeah. And then I have some clients here in Spain, but not very many. Right. Well, you don't have to be local, right? Because it's, no. it's all online. Uh, mm-hmm. The name of your company is? The Quirky Pineapple yes. Studio. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I think it's really awesome that you... Even though you did both things at the same time, yeah. it's a huge ordeal. I think it's really cool that you just you, you went for it. Yeah. Um, what's been the biggest like struggle, but also the big success of uh, or, or achievement, sense of achievement for doing something like this, not in the U.S., which it might have been a little bit easier. I think it would have been easier. Do. I yeah. would have like saved myself. Yeah, a little bit. A lot of crying. <laughs> Taxes and legal yeah. stuff mostly would be a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, so the hardest thing I think when I started was figuring out my schedule uh-huh. and my energy levels. When I started working by myself at home and then my boyfriend went out to work in the office, I didn't leave the house because mm. I was like, I need to work. Right. But my idea of work was just like busy work, not anything that would actually move my business forward. I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this. Mm. And I filled my days with like lots of little things. And then I also didn't realize my energy level. So I like am more and am also more productive in the morning, but I was like, okay, no, I need to kind of follow what other people are doing. Like a nine, t- I need to recreate the nine to five yeah. at home. And it didn't work. So I got stir crazy and cabin fever in my own house. Uh, and then when my boyfriend would get home, I was like, let's go to Carrefour, which is, if you don't know, it's a supermarket here. And yeah. he was like, let's go to Carrefour and let's go to the like, fruit shop. Yeah. He goes, why didn't you go by yourself? And you were like, because... Yes, I was like, because I got social anxiety to leave the house. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't talk to people, so leaving by myself scares me right right yeah yeah and he's like you need to please leave right like, just <laughs> please leave. leave the house yeah like when i come home i don't want to leave the house i want to rest and like, right oh but i've been at home all day i want to go out and he goes, well you need to do something about that because like i can't give you all this energy because yeah. i don't have it right he's coming home and he's like nine to five i want to exactly. sit on my couch watch netflix you've been inside the house and you're like let's go do markets or whatever <laughs> let's just take a walk he's like it's hot I'm like, yeah. i don't care <laughs> just take me outside yeah he's like please cassandra please make friends yeah i think it's hard because like if you're in that nine to five environment where it is really structured and yeah. there's and you even when you get home and you're like i gotta do that again you're just kind of in this i don't want to say bubble but you're in yeah. the structure whereas yeah. if you're starting to do something on your own where there isn't that structure no one's calling a meeting for you you're setting up your own meetings you got to figure exactly. out yeah when do i like to do meetings when do i like to work on things by myself when do i need human interaction yeah. it's, it's super hard how often do i need human interaction so that was like the hardest thing yeah the best thing was is now creating my own schedule right and now that i know my energy levels i know i do need to leave two or three days i know i need to actually talk to people for three to four hours uh-huh it's better now that you've gotten past that hump you're like yes okay it, was now a long that I know time, though. it took like a year to figure it out because you're like testing and then like right. i would go out maybe like four days out of the week and then i realized wow i'm really tired because i started going out to networking events like every night and some of the networking events weren't like necessarily for me uh-huh. so i felt like my energy was drained and then i would right. come back and then i would try and work but i'm like oh 
I just depleted all my energy for the rest of the week. You don't think about it, but then when you're working by yourself, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's been my experience a little bit now working on the podcast. Yeah. Being like, oh, I've got this thing that I got that I'm going to go do, and I'm interacting with people, and then I'm going to also be sitting at home and just in my like editing world for a whole bunch of hours, and those are going to go by, but I've just but I've been inside doing it. Exactly. Is there anything that you miss from home? Deeply miss from Uh, home. Asian food. Gotcha. Yeah, I watch a lot of mukbangs. I don't know if you know what those are. No. Okay, well, it's an eating show that got started in South Korea uh-huh. where you just kind of like record yourself eating copious, like huge amounts of food. Oh, yeah. And so I've, I didn't like them before, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. So I just watch people on YouTube to relax. Yeah. Um, and they're always eating Korean food or Asian food or like fried chicken. Yeah. Not like the most healthy stuff. It's sure. not fun to watch somebody eat a salad. You don't want to eat someone eating a salad. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm watching them and I'm like, oh, I miss that. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing food-wise to make me feel like I'm at home comfort stuff. Yeah. And then I think maybe... I don't know. I feel like the community changes here a lot. Uh, so starting yeah. my business here and growing it has been... I, I don't want to say it could have been easier in the States because... I don't, you don't know. know. Yeah. And if Maybe. I keep thinking about it like that, then I'm not going to succeed here. Right. So I don't know. I've, I always go back and forth. I'm like, it could have been easier because I wouldn't have to do things in Spanish. Uh-huh. Or I wouldn't have to deal with taxes and like the laws that I don't know about. I would know in yeah. the States. Yeah. And then maybe people are more willing to do this in the States. Or maybe uh-huh. I wouldn't have been able to do whatever here. I don't know. It's, yeah. But you can't live in that kind of like, uh, no. if, if I had only done this world. Because then you, yeah, you drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Yes. Also, the Spanish bureaucracy is a real pain. Uh, yeah, but U.S. bureaucracy is also not great. Yeah. it's There's no great bureaucracy out there. Exactly. But maybe it's just easier for you to do because... You it's have it's your home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything now in Spain that that you, if you were to move away, could not live without? Oh, that's a good question. I think probably the lifestyle here. Hmm. I think if I were to go home, which I did get reverse culture shock. Yeah, um, happens. Yeah. So when I went home, I was like, "Why is everybody moving so quickly? Yeah. Like, why do we need to drive everywhere?" Um, that thing, and then also, I like how. They work hard here, but they also understand, like, okay, I need time to just, like, enjoy my life and relax. Uh And I think when I'm home in the States, it's like, gotta go, 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 oh, my gosh. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the biggest thing. I don't know. I do miss, like, um, the toast with, like, tomato. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oil and, like, salt. Like, the best, easiest breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember when I was home, I was like, where can we go to find it? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I just came to make it at home. Tostada yeah. con tomate. Yeah. yeah it's a it's classic. So good. It's literally just mashed up tomatoes with olive oil. You put a little bit of salt on it on yeah. toast and you can make it at home. But for some reason you want to it go to a cafe where they give exactly. it to you. It is not the yeah. same when you make it at home because you have like the square ones. And then what I want are like square toast. Right. You want like a long... I want a long, nice toast that is like masa madre, which is like the organic stuff, which is very bougie, but I'm like, I want it. I want the Spanish olive oil, which I don't find at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Did you learn Spanish here? Yeah, I did. Well, I I say I learned it in high school for three years. 
Yeah. And then I thought, I'm, I'll be fine. And then when I arrived here, I was like, oh no, right. <laughs> I don't know anything. Uh, so I actually learned by just being immersed in yeah. the tiny towns because nobody spoke English. Right. Yes. That's a full, intense experience. Yeah. Because there's no out for you, right? No. They, you have to learn. Nobody spoke to me in English. <laughs> so I had to learn. I had to, like, write things down as I went. Yeah. I went to the grocery store with, like, Google Translate. Um, I think in the first, like, three months when I came, I didn't speak because yeah. I was too scared. And I was like, they're going to judge me for my American accent. Uh-huh. Um, and then gradually I was like, well, I need to talk because right. <laughs> I'm going stir crazy by not talking. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of practice. And then my boyfriend is Spanish, so it helps. helps. Yeah, it helps. I felt the same way when I moved to Chile. I'd, I'd had Spanish in high school and I'd yeah. been in Spain for study abroad in Granada. Oh, and so I felt like okay. I had some Spanish ability, but then I moved to Chile, which was you know, a couple years after college and I had not spoken any Spanish. And I, for the first three months, I was just, I didn't speak to but anybody. Chilean Spanish is hard. Well, there's just a lot of, um, there's slang. A, yeah. And uh, like bo, and then yeah. What else? yeah, what else do they say? Cachai. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the classics. There's, there's a lot also, more. um, pololo, polola. Uh-huh. Boyfriend, girlfriend. Yes, those are all the ones that I remember. I have a list in my phone, too. I was in Buenos Aires, and then I was Mm. in Chile. And because I learned all my Spanish here in Spain, and my Spanish accent, I think when I go outside of Spain, is like, it's pretty obvious. It's very clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 like, I speak with a very clear Spain-Spanish accent. It's very Spain-Spanish. And when I went to Argentina, and I started talking to people, they were like, what are you saying? I'm like, what? I'm speaking Spanish, and they're like, you yeah. sound like a British person. Right, like, it's like, yeah. British, well, Spanish. They're probably like, know. what year is this for you? Like, 17, whatever. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, vosotros. Yeah. And they're like, why are you talking yeah. like that? You're so like, formal. Yeah, they're like, please, you're so formal. Can yeah. you, like... I'm your friend, not your grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I mean, I don't know how to fix it, because it just comes out naturally now. Right, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's your base. Exactly. That's like when I speak to people here, they're like, where did you, where are you from? I say the U.S., and they go, where did you learn Spanish? You know, South America. They go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Do you feel like Madrid is, is a place for more long-term, or are you at a juncture? I feel like that two years into, like, it, those questions start to come up. I feel like year one, you're establishing yourself. Year two, you're, like, further establishing yourself. Yeah. And now you're at a juncture, maybe, where you're like... What, what happens next? Yeah, so I have the residency card, so I can stay here for five years, and then after five years, I can renew for 10 years, which that's 15 years. That's wow. a really long yeah. time. Uh, we have not thought that far <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think I like Madrid. I think I need to be in a closer proximity to the city to thrive. Yeah. But I know my boyfriend and I, we don't really like the city, city life. It's very oversaturated for us so we don't know what we want to do we like the north of spain Mm. maybe we'll go somewhere else we've thought about going back to the states but because my business is still like new right but you have potential i think to right you're not thinking necessarily 15 years ahead but at least you know like you could stay here for that amount of time within that amount of time you could then start to figure out i think we'll be here for the next at least in madrid for another like two to three years. Well, three years sounds long. Maybe two. Two <laughs> yeah. years. We'll check in uh, yeah, two years we'll, from now. We'll see, we'll see, where, see where you are. Uh, thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Yeah, really thanks for having it. me. Yeah. 
As always, thanks for listening. And a big thank you to Cassandra for joining me on the podcast. We have more episodes coming your way very, very soon. In the meantime, it would be a phenomenal, phenomenal favor to me if you were to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, leave a rating, leave a review, follow us on Instagram at Crossing P Pod, and we will see you next time.